is the Starting Why Podcast. Here we ask entrepreneurs, actors, investors, innovative, and artists on the why. Why they are doing what they are doing, what motivates and drives them, and why can't they stop. We will start in five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, welcome back to Starting Why. This is Joe and I have again in our second episode here, Mitch Gray. Hey, how you doing? Hey Joe, good to talk to you again. Totally my pleasure. And we may tell our audience that I'm recording this here from Frankfurt in Germany and you are in New Mexico, actually place where you have enough altitude to see some snow in the winter. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. We got snow a few days ago. It's all melted off by now because it's sunny today. But yeah, it was uh, quite a storm a few days ago. Very good. For our audience, actually, we only took a break for taking a deep breath and then we started again. But we've been talking more than 35 minutes in the first recording. So I thought, let's cut this into two pieces. And now we're back here at part two of our interview. And actually, you have been a great guest in the first episode, and we talked about how you find people to interview. We've talked about the interview process and how important the question is, hey, just tell me something about you. But now we want to go into like a little bit the framework behind it. How do you approach your client's recruiting strategy, your client's strategy to carve out roles to fill them? And what are the usual mistakes you're seeing there in small and medium enterprises, small businesses, startups, how they're recruiting? Yeah, great, great questions, Joe. First of all, I want to identify the mistake because this is something that I see far too often. And I've made the mistake in the past. It's really where I learned is most people hire out of desperation. And so in other words, what I mean by that is They know they need people. They don't know who they need. They don't necessarily know why they need them. And so they just hire warm bodies to come in and get a job done. And the reason that's dangerous is when you hire out of desperation, number one, you you usually get it wrong. So when we're hiring, we want to make sure that we have clarity on our culture. So our culture means the way we live, move, and exist. It's more than just our product or our function. It's actually how we want to treat others, how we want our team members to treat others, how we want to treat our customers, and how we really want to engage. And so let's say someone has created a culture of positivity, of customer service, of positive energy, of empowerment. They want to make sure that every single person they hire aligns with that culture. When you hire out of desperation, which is a grave mistake, you're usually going to forget that you need to hire someone that aligns with that culture. And so for our audience who is, you know, startup founders, they're starting a new business, oftentimes they can look at it and go, well, I'm going to do, you know, so much volume in business. I know I need 20 employees and they just go hire the first 20 people they can find. And that's where the mistake can happen because you're never going to catch up from that. So in the last episode, we already talked about recruiting strategies. So I want to identify, how do you make sure you find the right people? Number one, it's having clarity on your culture. You should be able to tell me in 10 words or less what your culture is about. Number two, it's having clarity on your mission and vision. Why are you investing in this product? Why are you introducing this product to the world? How is this product going to help others? 
knowing that mission and vision is so valuable. And then you're going to begin, as we alluded to in the last episode, you're going to begin creating your perfect employee persona. You're going to create an imaginary person that would be your perfect employee. Overall, if they have this type of personality, they align with our culture because of you know A, B, and C, they're positive, uh, they enjoy doing creative things, they have these types of hobbies. You're just going to sit with your leadership team or if you're by yourself, sit by yourself and create this perfect teammate persona. Make it as perfection as possible, like reach for the stars here. And from that, once you have that persona, then you begin identifying roles. Now, I'm going to use the word role in two ways. You have job function. So you may need a social media expert on your team. That's a job function role. But you also have team member roles. So in other words, you need different types of people on your team. You need introverts, you need extroverts, you need outgoing people, you need people that are always walking in at the day and they're just like a ray of sunshine. And then you need people that are a little bit more mild. You need that balance on your team because everyone is going to play a role within your team. And so after you create your perfect teammate persona, you're then going to create your perfect team roles. So you have a team of 20 people. How can you find balance within that team? Different cultures, different upbringings, different personalities, different ideas, all aligning within your culture. You're then going to identify the different functions of your company. So let's say you have this startup, you know your product, you're ready to roll out, you're starting the company. What are the top 10 job functions within your business? And who do you need in those job functions? You need a social media person. You need a coder. You need a website builder. You need an assembly person. So you're going to identify each of those positions and functions and give priority to those. Which one of these do I need first to really begin implementing and growing my business? Plus, what I as a consultant would add here, especially for the small very small and very cash-strapped businesses, that is a point where you also need to decide if you cannot work, for example, with temporary employees where you cannot outsource it to an agency, to a virtual assistant or something like this. For example, a prime example is here social media, where you can have somebody as a virtual assistant working for you for much less money than you would like having somebody hired here on site. That is something also many people fail to do. But if if you hire a virtual assistant, you should be thinking about he or she should stay with the company for some time so they understand the company culture. They do the right tweets. They do the right posts. Plus, they have to be a team member. It's not just, oh, this person sits somewhere. I don't know. And I'm just checking my checkbox if he or she made 10 tweets a week. You're exactly right, Joe. And, and I'm glad you pointed that out because when you're prioritizing those job functions, one of the questions you can ask is, do I need this person full time? Does it make sense? Or can I actually contract this out through a virtual assistant? And the other question that so many people miss is they can often hire people based on projects. 
And so they don't, they don't have to hire everyone on their team full time. If they have 20 job functions, I would say probably potentially eight to 10 of those could be virtual assistant, hire them project by project. Because for a cash strapped startup, that is always a great investment. But you also made a, another great point, And that is, even when you hire a freelancer, a VA, a remote worker, they must align with your culture. That's why that's the first step we took in this process is clarifying your culture. Everything filters through that. And so you're exactly right. That, that is a part of that prioritization. And so then you may get down to five positions that you know you need part-time or full-time employees. And that's when you put into practice everything we talked about in the last episode about recruiting and interviewing. But really, it has to be done step by step. And so many times what happens when someone starts a business is they have a product, they believe in the product, they want to make it happen. And so then they find the resources that they need to make it happen financially. But they never take the time to actually develop their culture, their mission, their vision, and then identify who they really need on their team. Because if you're going to scale any business, you're going to eventually need some help in some form. And so those are really some of the steps that people often miss. And what I found with working with clients is I have businesses that have been in existence for 40 years, and they've never worked through this process of developing a culture, understanding who to hire clarifying who they need. So 40, 50 years into the business, they've just been gambling this whole time. And they've been building business, but they're very frustrated. They're very stressed. And so for startup leaders, take those steps in the beginning. I would advise that creating your culture is the single first step you should take because that culture becomes the foundation of sustainable success. So yes, Joe, when you get ready to prioritize your job functions, some of your questions should be, does, is this a full-time position or is this a position I can freelance? Uh, is this a part-time position or is this a position that needs to be full-time? And ask yourself those questions because that's really going to set you up for success in the future. Last personal recommendation, what I found in especially working with more flexible startups is you get a very valuable employee at a very cheap rate, part-time, who's really invested in the business and stays quite for quite some time if you take a mom who's just doing part-time. And especially if you allow her, or it may also be a stay-at-home dad, if you allow him or her to work from home. For example, I had this with uh, one of the best assistants I've ever worked with. She stayed until 2 p.m. Then she went uh, to pick up her daughter. And then in the evening, she started again working completely flexible. She did an awesome job. Plus, she was staying with the company for years and years and years because nobody else would give her this flexibility, even though for her qualification, she could earn a little bit more somewhere else. You're 100% right, Joe. And, and I would encourage people to keep employees part-time as long as possible. So in your scenario... Find those people first. I do believe that business startups, they, they underrate the expense of a full-time employee. <laughs> and so it, it's not just hiring them, but you know when you hire someone full-time, really you're now competing with other markets that may eventually offer them more money. Now, we do know, like you just mentioned, 
if, if someone is in the right environment and they feel empowered and they feel like you're working well with them, they'll stay and not necessarily take more money somewhere else. But what I've learned is similar to your experience. When you hire someone part-time, they're normally much more lenient if they're in a really good environment because they do value that flexibility so much. You know, the, the greatest demographic that I think people undervalue is college or university students. And I know in some parts of the world it may be different, but I used to love hiring college students because they usually needed to be part-time. They were normally great workers because they had expenses they had to pay for. And they also wanted a future career. And so they were looking to potentially grow with you. So they would stay three, four, five, six years and move up. And so those are very valuable. But again, we've just used the system that we talked about in the last episode, and that is identify who you need, why you need them, and then go find them. And so those part-time people, you know, just starting to learn where to kind of find those people that could be a great asset to your business. And I, I agree with you 100%. If you're looking at your job functions, I would filter it this way, project by project. So set aside the things that you can just hire a freelancer to do on a one-off situation. Value that. Uh, value virtual assistants and then value part-time people. And those three elements can take you further than I think most people realize. Plus, what's also important, if you have a virtual assistant somewhere in the world, if you have a freelancer that you've worked successfully with in the future, the time they need to get into a new role if you hire them again is much less than it would have been like getting an external employee on speed here. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I actually just finished recently a free curriculum on how to hire remote workers and freelancers. And we dive into that quite a bit. Because I mean, the great thing about today's day and age with technology is you can hire someone in Japan or Canada or you know Indonesia virtually or a freelancer. And there are so many great people out there that will do a great job. And the other thing is, I have I have quite a few friends who have been in the startup industries, and they started their teams as freelancers and remote workers. And eventually, the majority of those came on as full time as their company grew. And so, to your point, if you hire a remote worker or a freelancer, and they do a couple of projects for you, and they do a really good job, that when you do have an opening, you can actually recruit from within. And oftentimes those people might take that, that opportunity. And so that's a great setup as far as a system for success. Actually, I also found that a lot of companies hire successful people by getting interim staffing and keep those people, hire them from the company away to fill the role they already do because you know they, those people really can do it. Yes. And there's also temporary staffing services, those type of services as well. And they're great to use. The, the one challenge that you can find in using those types of strategies is, again, ensuring that those people really align with the culture that you've built. You never want to settle and you never want to hire out of desperation. You always want to be very proactive in that. But uh, but yeah, there, and, and that's what we say when there's so many tools at people's disposal. You know, Joe, and you've probably heard people say it, that they can't find people. It's like, we can, you know, there's no one to hire. And I'm just thinking... In, in 50 minutes, you and I have given people so many strategies to use to find amazing people. The reality is so many business leaders just simply aren't doing it. 
And so that's that's my biggest encouragement to people building a startup is create those habits and those strategies and those routines early on so that those actually become a part of your business DNA. They become a part of your culture. We're always recruiting. We're always looking for great people. We're always looking for opportunity. And if you can create that early on, it just becomes a habit. And that's what you really want for your business. Exactly, exactly. So the, the only piece left for us right now is how to think this forward, how to think about your hiring strategy. You have those teams, as you said, would have found very interesting, very important is look at balance, look at the different backgrounds. For example, if I do sales, it would be completely different than when you do sales will be completely different when my wife does sales. And each of them is equally right if those people are within your potential customer group. So always think about there is diversity in your potential customers and your sales team, your customer service has to reflect that. But now thinking about doing this a little bit forward, thinking strategically, not only about one team, thinking strategically about the growth of your company and your hiring framework, your, your strategy to develop people. How would you start with a client to approach that? Yeah, that's, uh, again, thank you for asking that question. Great leaders are visionaries. And so they're... Great leaders aren't responding to what's happening. They're actually engaging in what's going to happen in the future. And so we've laid the baseline and foundation for some recruiting strategies and some hiring. And really, my response to that, Joe, is pretty simple. That question is the exact reason that you never stop recruiting, that you never stop engaging. It has to be a consistent persistent action that you take all the time. Because the reality of a team and a business is it's always growing. It's always evolving. Things are changing. As we've experienced in the last three years, things can change really quickly. <laughs> and so the mistake that so many people have uh, make is they start their business, they build their team, and then they stop building their team. They're so focused. They're satisfied with who they have but then they become stagnant in building forward. And so my most simple rule would be for people as far as forward thinking is never stop building, never stop looking for more opportunity, never stop looking for that next great team member, because you're always going to have someone that's leaving. You're always going to have someone that needs to make a change. And when you talk about reflecting your customer base and reflecting your product, That evolution of continually looking to add people, continually looking for opportunity, you may not add them right away, but you're always building relationships to potentially add someone new. That mindset and forward thinking and vision in its most simple form is what will propel you forward because you never stop considering tomorrow what things are going to look like in six months, what things are going to look like in a year. And I know that's a really simple response, but I believe to keep it that simple is actually very powerful. I've built my team, I've built my business, but I'm going to continually create and look for opportunities to bring those great people aboard. And again, I want to reiterate, you may not bring them aboard right away. I've had people that I've recruited for three or four or five years before I've actually hired them. 
And that's happened many times. And so you have to have that long of a vision for your business to in, in order to have that forward thinking. That usually is, at least in my understanding, a problem for many people because they, they totally don't have any clue where this is going. Right. That's exactly right. They don't have a strategy to it and they just they build and then they stop. And, and that's what eventually kind of kills them off in a way. I have to admit for me right now, this is also pretty difficult because my plans tend to change quite a lot um, when you're really, really early on. But at one point when you have a team of 20, 50 people, you should have a trajectory for further growth. You should have a plan how to do it. I totally get why very early, especially pre-revenue startups, don't have that plan yet. And if they do have it, it's a complete illusion. Yeah, there is a reality to deal with, right? There's a reality. And that's why startups are hard. <laughs> I mean, startups startups aren't easy because things do change and things don't work out the way you plan them. But I will say, I want to go back to culture. And I, and I know we're kind of wrapping up some things here, but I want to go back to culture. What we just identified is why culture is so prevalent and relevant and so important. Because when those moments of change and evolution take place, you want to have something you can depend on. And that something is your culture. What do we believe in? How are we functioning? Do we truly believe in this product and this business? And if we do, then we're going to fight through these moments of challenge and controversy. But that foundation of culture really becomes what you build on, especially during those moments that it's very tenuous. Because... Again, a startup is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> There will be growing pains, but also having some of that vision gives you some hope. You know, in those moments that it's very challenging, it's like, yeah, but wait a second. Why am I doing this? I'm doing it because I'm passionate about it. I'm doing it because I love it. I'm doing it because I believe I'm going to help make people's lives better, whatever your reason is. To hang on to that and then to pass that to those people as you bring them on is really what can be the oxygen that gives you life during those moments of challenge. Very interesting thought. I do believe that pretty much should wrap it up, right? I think so, Joe. We've covered a lot. Yeah, we've, I think we've given people some really strong strategies to, to move forward with. Yeah. And if not, there will be a link down here in the show notes to your LinkedIn profile. You, of course, will share with me soon after this recording and uh, your website where people can reach out to you as well as your Twitter account so people can follow you. Yes, I love it. Yeah, please follow me. Reach out to me. Many of the strategies that you heard in these episodes are exactly what I share on LinkedIn, especially. And so, yeah, and we have uh, uh, many other opportunities to engage as well. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. Then, Mitch, actually, you came on to do one little podcast for something like 25 minutes and now the final recording of those two recordings we did in just one row will be more than an hour so thank you very much greatly appreciate it thank you joe i loved it guys have a good day and tune in again when we talk on starting why about building your mental framework thanks guys bye bye